Welcome to Charter School Conversations, a weekly podcast for the Utah Charter School community. I'm your host, Gina James, with the Utah Association of Public Charter Schools. We'll do a little board training, have conversations with charter school leaders, and touch on issues that affect us all. I hope you enjoy today's conversation. Today, I'm joined by Joylyn Lincoln, Director of Training with UAPCS. She is a former teacher, a charter school board member, a lover of all things policy, and is going to speak to us today about Open and Public Meetings Act. Is this is this something that we should be worried about? Do we care about this, Joylyn? Why? Well, we have to be all excited about it because it's one of the top reasons a school can get in trouble. Oh, boy. So what do we see with schools? What is the issue with this this thing. So they start to see violations in in posting their agendas, doing action of stuff that isn't on their agendas and not properly taking minutes or going into closed session. Let's jump right in. Let's address this. So where can we find this law? So this law is located in the Utah Code and it's chapter 50, 52, section 52, chapter four. Okay, perfect. So section 52, chapter four. If you want to read it, it's really exciting. It it's goes. a riveting <laughs> 15 pages long. We're going to summarize that for you. So we're going to hit it right from the beginning. Okay. Let's talk about noticing. What does noticing a public meeting mean? Why is this important? <laughs> so it's really important that because we're doing the public's business that we do it in the public's observation so they can see how we're spending their taxpayer monies. And think about it. You want to know how your taxpayer money is being spent because you give a lot in taxes. So we want to know what's going on with it. Well, especially in education, people care not just for the tax money, but this is, these are our children. <laughs> this is huge. So we want to make sure that we're noticing our agendas properly. So we have to post our agenda 24 hours in advance. And there's a couple different places it needs to be posted. The first is on the Utah Public Notice website. This is my favorite website. I love this website because I can hunt down anything that's going on in the state of Utah. I can go look at cities. I can look at the legislators. I can look at the state school board, the state charter school board. And I can look at all the local school districts and charter schools. This is where I can find out what decisions are being made. It's actually really neat. If you haven't had a chance, just I think as concerned citizens in general... <laughs> It's kind of fascinating to go to. Now, again, you're talking to a couple people who like to go to board meetings and sometimes like to read some policies. <laughs> but it is so cool that it is all in one place. I can just go to one stop shop. And if I want to get lost in social media, I can go to the public notice website and start looking through agendas and be in heaven. Now, you may not be in heaven, but you need to know that there are people out there like me that do kind of have watchdogs that are watching what's going on in 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 charter schools. So you need to make sure that that agenda is posted 24 hours in notice um, on that public notice website. And then you also have to have a physical copy at your anchor location, the place where you're going to have your meeting. So some places will have like a trophy case where they slap that agenda into. I find it easiest just to slap it on the front door with a piece of tape. That's what the charter school my kids went to. I always knew, oh yeah, Thursday, board meeting day. And um, on Wednesday, Tuesday or Wednesday, that agenda was on the front door as you take your kids into the school. 
so that you're well aware of what it is. So there's a couple things that need to be on that agenda for it to be actually noticed properly. You need to have the date and the time and the location and then reasonable specificity. Can you say that three times fast? Specificity about what is going to be on the agenda so that the public can say, yeah, that's worth my time to attend the meeting or no, I'm going to take a pass. They're not discussing anything exciting. So make sure that your reasonable specificity goes into the details as to what you plan on taking action on. So for instance, instead of just saying policy, say dress code policy, fee waiver policy, bullying and harassing policy, teacher, um, teacher bonus policy, whatever it is you're going to be discussing, label it on your agenda so the public can decide if they want to come or not come. And most of the time they choose not to, but sometimes the public does come. Well, I think that's a great point. There's also another type of notice that needs to be posted on the public notice website every year. And that is your calendar. So your board meeting calendar, if you have regular public meetings, there needs to be an annual meeting schedule. And that also includes the date, time, and the place of the scheduled meetings. So that needs to be posted once a year. And that allows for people to plan ahead and to decide what meetings they're going to attend, or if they see a conflict, just make sure that you get your annual calendar up. Okay. So once we have that meeting, but wait, So you can schedule meetings because you know, certain things are coming up, but what happens if there's an emergency or if there's a situation where you're like, Oh, we don't have 24 hours to give notice, but we have to meet. Is there a provision for that? So you can, you can have an emergency meeting and that's when you're meeting within that 24 hours notice when you're going to say, yes, this is an emergency and it has to be a true emergency. So what's an example of that? An example might be Providence Hall years ago, they had a fire evacuation and their school was in the evacuation zone and they needed to figure out how to handle school the next day. So they had an emergency meeting. They had the meeting at somebody's house in their front yard. They posted the agenda on the public notice website with as much notice as possible. They slapped that agenda on the mailbox and they met in somebody's front yard so that they could have a meeting to determine where school was going to be held the next day. So would an emergency be, oh shoot, we forgot to uh, vote on a certain policy that's due. And so we need to have a meeting to do that. No, you really need to plan ahead. So we shouldn't see emergency meetings happening on October 15th because we have to turn in licensing to the state. Um, and we, the board should have approved us an LEA specific license. You need to really be thinking ahead and planning. That's kind of where that board calendar comes into effect. Not only do you post the dates that you're going to meet, but your secretary could be keeping a list of what agenda items need to go on each of those dates so that you're planning and being able to deliberate ahead. So either an emergency meeting or hopefully just one of your regularly planned board meetings. Um, We go ahead, we're having the meeting, it's going along great. And we have an issue that might come up that maybe we don't want to talk about in public. Is there a provision for that in the law? (laughs) There is a provision to have a closed meeting, but a closed meeting isn't a case to discuss things that make us uncomfortable. Like you if mean like bad test scores? Bad test scores. Yeah, <laughs> disciplinary no. problems. We really have, um, the, the law specifies about 20 reasons you could have a closed session. And there are really four main categories that charter schools fall into. First would be the character and competence of an individual or mental health. When we're talking about a person, we're going to do that in private. Um, we don't want to air somebody's dirty laundry in an open meeting session. That's just not fair. And there's, there's HR rules against that. 
um, if we're going to talk about deploying a security system, what the alarms are to get into the school or how we're going to evacuate if there's a mass shooter, we don't want that out in the public. Because then, you know, your mass shooter just reads your minutes and knows how you're going to evacuate. That would be terrible. Oh, I hate that we have to talk about this. But that is important. We want to keep our security secure for the kids. So we're going to keep our security there. I'm pending litigation. And this has to be reasonable that you believe it's going to happen. It just can't be that you think a parent's going to see you because you didn't educate their kids last year. You have to have heard rumblings. They have to have come and threatened that they're going to sue you. Or on Facebook, you can see a gathering or Instagram, a gathering of parents that are going to bring a lawsuit. So pending litigation, you can discuss, but it has to really, you have to believe it's going to occur, just not that it's something uncomfortable. So we're going to say, oh, there might be litigation on this. So we'll discuss it privately. And then the last place we see for charter schools a lot is if they're going to purchase land or sell If we had those deliberations in open, that would tip off the negotiation with with the other party, and that would put the school at an unfair advantage. So how do you go into a closed session when you're in an open session? So to go into a closed session, you have to have two-thirds of your board members agree that, yes, this is a really good reason, and it does fit within the state guidelines to go into closed session. And then you have to take a roll call vote. This is the only time we actually have to have a roll call vote in our minutes. And we're just going to go down the aisle and have each person say, I. So Lincoln, I. Smith, I. Thomas, nay, just each person at the table gets an opportunity to say yes or no. And then you do have to hit the two-thirds threshold instead of a simple majority to go into that closed session. Okay, great. So then you discuss your business in closed session. Um, But can you do anything, actually do anything? You can have the discussion, right? But not actually take any action. Yeah, we're not going to come to a consensus in that closed session. We're not going to take any straw polls. And we're definitely not going to have any motions in closed session, except for the motion to exit closed session. So the only vote that can be taken in a closed session is we move to move back into an open session. So that means whatever you're talking about in closed session, if there's action required, you're still going to have to take that action in an open meeting. And so what does that look like? So most boards, if they're going to go into closed session, will also put on their agenda. So they'll put closed session and then they'll also put um, action if necessary from closed session so that they can then take action. And, and then that, just make a motion? Or is that Yeah, how so that... then they're just going to make a motion and, and then regular protocols will exist. You'll have a vote and then you'll list in your minutes who's in favor of it and who's against. Okay, perfect. Well, let's talk about minutes a little bit. What needs to be included? When are they posted? Now, if our agenda is posted, I'm going to make the assumption, I would hope, that then your minutes have to be posted. So let's talk about that. So minutes, I like to to liken minutes into watching a football game. If I'm going to sit through the whole football game on a Saturday afternoon, it's about four hours and I'm going to watch every play. That's like the recording. We always have a recording of our our meetings and that recording is like sitting through the whole game. Now minutes should be more like the sports newscast in the evening. The thing we catch the highlight reel at night at the 10 o'clock news, it's going to go through all of the important plays. What the score is as we move through each quarter, it's going to give the person 
the ability to understand what happened at the board meeting without actually attending. So if you're not a football fan, but you watch the nightly news, you could have a really competent conversation at the water cooler on Monday about what happened at the football game because you caught that nightly news. That's what we want our minutes to be. So they're going to need to reflect what motion was taken or what actions were taken, what deliberation occurred, but it's not going to be a play-by-play. We're not going to say, Smith said that the dress code needs to be changed. And Lincoln thought, but I like the dress code. So I think that the buttons (laughs) should be just the same they've always been. We're not going to do that play by play, but we're going to have a really good understanding that there was a discussion about the buttons in the dress code and whether they all need to match or not match. (laughs) And And yes, that has happened. I, (laughs) I I believe you. And I read through a variety of minutes where I've gotten way more information than I really needed. And I've also read through minutes that have no information. It's just a list of votes that really doesn't speak to what's really going on in the school. Yeah. You don't want it to be just a list of votes. That would be like reading the newspaper um, the day after a football game and just seeing the score was 26 to 17. You really need to have an understanding of what happened at the board meeting, but not that play by play. So I think there's a good balance there that, that, we have to let the board secretary know, Hey, you know, there's, there's something that needs to be there so that people who aren't able to go to that meeting, just like you said, a good rule of thumb is a two hour meetings minutes should be anywhere from about three to five pages. If you're getting just a one pager, you don't have enough information. And if you have 20 pages, you're getting into the play by play. Okay, great. And so where do we put the minutes? When did we need to put post the minutes? What's the what are the the nitty gritties of the law on this? So after a board meeting, um, three days after the board meeting, you need to post your recording on the public notice website as well as on your own website, um, and you're also going to approve or post at that point any minutes that had been approved from a prior meeting. So in October, if you approved September's minutes, three days after that October meeting, you're going to post September's minutes. And then 30 days after, you'll post draft minutes. And that gets way confusing. So I like to just always remember, three days after a meeting, I'm going to post one, the recording, two, any minutes that were approved from a prior meeting, and three, the draft minutes from that meeting. And let's be real, you're not going to do anything with those draft minutes three days after the board meeting to 30 days. So just go ahead and put them up at that three-day mark. I think that's a good practice just to get into a habit of. Lately, we have a lot of issues with not being able to meet with COVID. And so last year, the legislator had changed some of the electronic meetings policies. So let's go over kind of what the basic electronic meeting policy is, some of those changes, and then how it's going to affect us going forward. So a board can currently have an electronic meeting as long as you have a policy that says that. So if you don't have a policy that allows you to have electronic participation or a meeting that's all online, you need to get that policy ASAP so that you can have that. So currently, you just need to give notice um, of your, on your agenda, 24 hours notice, and we're going to have an electronic meeting. And here's the link to get onto it. It's really important that we put that link there so that our public can attend. And then you also need to have an anchor location. So that means if somebody doesn't want to get on it electronically, they can jump in their car and drive to your school and attend the meeting just like they would um, 
for any meeting. So you have to have that anchor location. Now in 2021, due to COVID and, and the pandemic, there was a change of law that allows us to not have an anchor location as long as the board says that they're based on his research, the health or safety of staff or board members would be in jeopardy by having an anchor location. So if we have a huge COVID breakout and we're all back in quarantine, then that would be reason to have a um, electronic meeting without an anchor location. And this is posted on the agenda? Yes. Again, that that link to how to participate. And participate means to see in real time. It doesn't mean that you get the opportunity to comment. So lots of times we do a Zoom meeting, or you could even just be posting a YouTube feed of the meeting so that the public can watch it in real time. Okay. But the the reason that you're doing an electronic meeting without an anchor location, that needs to be posted on the agenda with that the does. notice. Okay. That does. And if you're going to like um, have it 30 days later, you're going to have another meeting and still just be electronically, you have to reaffirm the reason that you need to have it without an anchor location. So it's like not a, oh, look, we've got a pandemic and we're going to be electronic for the next 18 months. Every month you would have to reaffirm why you were having it at an electronic meeting without an anchor location. Okay. So every 30 days. Every 30 days. That's good to know. And I think something important to note too is that the public just needs to be viewing it in real time. They don't need to be have the opportunity for that comment unless they have public comment as part of, but then those directions, those directions about how to comment should be included in the agenda or yeah. part of that. So actually in Utah, we have the open public meeting law so that people can observe the, the public meetings. There's no requirement that they are able to participate. Um, if you have guidelines for how to participate, put them on your agenda so that it's really clear what those, um, rules are about participating are so that everybody is, it, it never looks like you're choosing and and changing it based on the discussion. So just make those rules really clear if you're going to allow participation from your public. All right. What have we missed as far as the important things that schools need to watch? Um, well, one thing we talked about was we talked about posting our minutes. Um, the law actually says we have to post all of our supplemental materials as well. And we're not seeing that in a lot of charter schools. So if you're providing a board packet to your board members, you also have to post that board packet. So every month we should be seeing our board packet pa- posted on the ch- on the public notice website as well as our own website, along with those minutes and agendas. And some of the items in the board packets could include policies that are under review, financial reports, a director report, if there's one that's written, provided ahead of time, things like that. Yeah. A really good place to look at a model of that is the Utah State Board of Education. When they post on the public notice website, it's like everything they discuss has has an agenda supporting material to it, and they post that. So everything that your board members are going to read or review needs to be posted and made available to your public. That's a great point. What about um, if you mess up, if you're not doing this, are there any consequences to not following the Open and Public Meeting Law Act? There are consequences for for not following the Open Public Meeting Act. If you um, don't properly notice your meeting, all of your actions that you take in your meeting can be, be voided. And so it's really important that you follow those guidelines to properly um, notice your meetings. 
And then if we talk about stuff where we hold a public or closed session improperly, there could be a uh, class B misdemeanor um, filed against board members. So it's really important that we understand the rule and, and the results of not doing it properly, which is making our actions null and void or actually a class B misdemeanor. Wow. I know that sometimes people are hesitant to speak openly in a closed meeting. How, how are those closed meeting minutes protected? So closed meeting minutes can only um, be released by a signed subpoena from a, from the, a, a judge. So you can't just hand over your meeting, closed meeting minutes to anybody. I know a couple of years ago, the auditors were asking for closed meeting minutes. They were testing to make sure that a board understood that closed meeting minutes can only be turned over with um, a judge court order. Okay. So I think that's important to note that those discussions can be open and honest because they are protected by that. And if you like drift from your original purpose, like you start talking about the character and competence of an individual and end up talking about curriculum at the school, um, somebody in the, in the public could say, I don't think they, they were deliberating on what they said they were deliberating. And a judge through that court order could get a hold of your minutes and read them or listen to them. And if they determined that they're that the reason you were in closed session is not a valid reason, then those those um, recordings can be made public. Okay. So we're going to want to make sure and stick to topic, especially in closed session, and make sure that um, the public is aware of why we went in that closed session. And then when we come out, any actions that we need be taken need to be done in the open session. And that's a really good point too, to make sure we're sticking to the item on the agenda in the closed session. Same goes in open meeting. We don't want our meetings to turn into four or five hour marathons. Most board meetings should happen in less than two hours. No, I think that's a good point. And one of the ways that you can be sure that your meetings are staying on topic is to have that really specific agenda and to follow some kind of order. And so we are also going to be doing a podcast on Robert's rules of order that just helps your meeting kind of stay on task and stay to those points to make sure that you're getting your business done in a good time. Well, thank you, Joy Lynn, for talking about the Open to Public Meetings Act. Um, for further information, please reach out to us at info at utahcharters.org or check out our website, utahcharters.org, for supporting information about this, including a link to the law. Thanks for listening in today. The Utah Association of Public Charter Schools is a nonprofit organization that provides training, advocacy, and technical support to promote excellence in Utah's public charter schools. Learn more about us on our website at utahcharters.org.